Okay, so today I'm wrapping up the series entitled The Beyond 2020 Vision. And I tried to lure you in with a teaser email this week. Did it work? Excellent, excellent. Feeling under a little bit of pressure this morning, kind of with that build-up to justify it. But anyway, I hope that you found the, the vision that's been laid out over the last eight weeks. I hope you found it attractive and appealing. And I hope your spiritual bones have been crying out, yes, please. I want to thank you for, for the positive feedback, particularly from those people that have joined the church perhaps quite recently and maybe haven't heard me go through this kind of stuff before. But in summary, the church that we see is, there it is on the banner, the church we see is alive. It's bursting with resurrection life everywhere you look. Are we there yet? I think we're getting there. But I tell you folks, that's what we see when we dream. Number two, the church that we see is spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-charged, spirit-empowered. Number three, the church that we see is growing. It's growing deeper, it's growing stronger, and it's growing larger. Number four, the church we see is family. I've got them in the wrong order, sorry. Knitted together in the love of Christ, welcoming and affirming and and then the church we see is transforming because we are not satisfied merely to be conformists, but long to see things transformed. And sixthly and lastly, the church that we see is equipping, preparing our amazing and diverse and gifted church body to do the work of the ministry. I love that vision, but you know what? Here's the scoop. Ephesians 3 Verse 20 says, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The Amplified says, Super abundantly more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hope point is, that, that vision is just the tip of the iceberg. And if you think that list is impossible, what God has in mind is infinitely bigger for us than that. little slightly tongue-in-cheek line that I've inserted, if your vision isn't scary, then it isn't godly. And so as may be bold, some might even say optimistic, but you know what, I, I'm very confident that it's, that it's biblically accurate and biblically honoring. And you know what, I hope you look at it and go, I know it's impossible, but count me in. Which leads to our question for the day. Drum roll please, maestro. The question is, are you in? My message title this morning is All In. And right from the get-go, I need to say, I know there's a danger with asking that question. And that is, what if you're not? Which I'd say, that's a great shame. But, but I reckon we're better off knowing, don't you? 
because, because half in or not in or, or, or occasionally dip your toe in just doesn't work. Frankly, that's a recipe for, for dissatisfaction. It's a recipe for frustration or dare I say for worse. Of course, it goes without saying that, that I really hope you choose to be all in. I also think it's fair to say you may not be there yet. I mean, it may be your first Sunday here in the barn. If it is, you're very warmly welcome. And if it is, I'd say for you, it's case of, kind of case of, whoa, there is no way you can make that kind of commitment today or even tomorrow. So if that's you, I recommend you press pause and listen to this message again in about six months' time. And then hopefully you'll be in an infinitely better position to answer the question. Now before we get into to specifics, just a couple of principles. I, I don't want to give credit. Some of the thoughts here are inspired by a great little book called All In by one of my favorite writers. His name is Mark Batterson. Three, three thoughts, actually. Thought number one is that Jesus demanded that we put God first. Here's a verse. You're familiar with it. We used to sing it in the swinging 70s. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You can read through the whole of that chapter, actually, is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, Jesus, there's no mincing of words in here. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't offer dip in and dip out. He doesn't offer half in, or, or occasionally in, or perhaps in on Sunday, or most Sundays, or some Sundays. It's not, it's not fair weather Christianity. Jesus' wasn't a call to, to lukewarm. It wasn't a call to, to partial obedience or half-hearted commitment. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It, it wasn't put God second or put God third or put God seventh. Number one, Jesus said, we have to put God first. Number two, the little expression you might have heard before, salvation is free. Praise the Lord. Following Jesus may cost you everything. In that little book, Mark Batson says this, there's a danger, I think, that we are too Christian to enjoy sin, too sinful to enjoy Christ. We've got just enough Jesus to be informed but not enough to be transformed. And there's a danger, particularly in the 21st century society we live in, there's a danger that, that we treat church as something to be consumed. Mark Batson calls it spiritual sightseers. You know, come along and someone is hired to sing for you. Someone is hired, you pay them to study for you. Someone is even hired to, to pray for you. What did Jesus say? Matthew 10, verse 37. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Again, Jesus just did not offer low cost or partial commitment. He didn't offer a half-in, half-out option. Sadly, when when Jesus extended this challenge here to to what had been a previously eager crowd, the numbers thinned dramatically. You know, vision, I love our vision, our vision will not come to pass without cost. If you want to have a resurrection, first you'll need to have a crucifixion. And here's the line. Salvation is indeed free. But if your Christianity costs you very little, it will be very shallow. Matthew 16, 24, again, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. Thought number three, again, I think this is inspired by Mark Batson. What's it going to be? Is it going to be making headlines or sitting on the sidelines? There's a wonderful little illustration that, that Nicky Gumbel used to, to, to tell in his, one of his alpha, early alpha talks. And it was something like this. That, that when you go to a game of football, what you observe in front of you is 20 people running around like crazy. 22, probably. 22 people running around like crazy, desperately in need of rest. What you've got in the terraces is 22,000 people sitting on their backside, desperately in need of some exercise. But you know, Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's not something you consume. Christianity is a call to action. Coming back to our football analogy, you don't grow by sitting on the bench. But I would say this. Yes, there is a time to rest. And if you're new to a church, if you're new to this church, you need, to find, you need time to find your feet. You need time to, to settle in. You, you need to find time to find out where you fit. You may well need time spiritually to replenish. But eventually, you will have to roll your sleeves up and dive in. Said last week, we have, we have to identify what, what God has, has gifted us to contribute, get into the middle of the action, and do just that with all you've got. Or in. So perhaps in our context, the question becomes: how is God calling you to be part of the fulfillment of our vision? So here's the challenge. What if you were to go all in? What do you think God could do? What do you think God could do in you? What do you think God could do in us? You know, the Christian life isn't supposed to be boring and routine or safe. Christian life is intended to be bold and radical. It's intended to be sacrificial and excited. But to get there, you have
have to go all in. And so here's our invitation to you today. We, we would like to invite you into all in. Now that you've heard our vision, and if you haven't, you can go back and, and watch and listen to the last few parts. Now, now that you've heard our vision, are you in? Are you on board? Are you with us? And of course, we really hope so. And if so, we, we'd like to extend an invitation today to three things. We'd like to extend an invitation to membership. I'm going to go through these in a second. We'd like to extend an invitation to serving. And we'd like to extend an invitation to giving, number three. Let's work our way through all of those as quickly as I can. Let's, let's talk about membership to begin with. It would be fair to say that people have different uh, views and experiences of membership, probably depending upon the type of church that, that you've attended in the past. You may well have been in a church system that didn't have membership, and do you know what? You seem to get on just fine. But do you know what? In the, in the constitution of our church, and in the 21st century, you have to have one of those. We have, we have members. Now, of course, by, 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 by the biblical definition, we're all members of God's church. And if you come here, you, you definitely belong, whether you're on that, that administrative membership list or not. But today, I'd, I'd like to extend to, to everyone an invitation to, to formal or official First, let me, let me highlight what membership is and, and perhaps what it isn't. Forgive me, I'm perhaps a little tongue-in-cheek at times here. But membership, number one, membership is not about voting in an election, but it's about buying into a vision. Membership isn't about opting into an attractive benefits package, but signing up to a mission. Membership isn't not, can I, what can I get from my annual subscription? How can I participate in the work of the kingdom? Membership is not, I expect I'll come along when the mood takes me. I want to be a committed and engaged member of the family of God. What were the headlines here? The membership is about vision. Membership is about our mission. It's about participation. It's about commitment. It's about engagement. To be honest, those are, those are the key factors of church life, whether your system of church governance has official membership or not. Now, we've said it before, and we'll probably still be saying it for months to come. COVID threw a whole lot of balls up in the air. And it's fair to say that there are members of our church who have not come back, at least not yet. And I know that some have definitely moved on, and God bless them richly. We've also had a significant number of, of people visiting. And coming back the next week is always a blessing. Even people settling in and signing up, I, I love that. Some of you have already been through a round of Connect Gateway. 
So if that's the case, it seems to me to be an opportune member, sorry, opportune moment, ask this question again. Would you like to be, here's the challenge, would you like to be a member of this church? And of course, we hope that the answer is, is yes. However, if this message is making you feel uncomfortable, then the answer may well be no, which is a shame. But we love you however you answer that question. And you know what? The most important thing is that you are where you feel that God wants you to be. Now, to make it really practical, we're hoping to bring a whole bunch of, of new folk into membership at our AGM at the beginning of May. We do have a system. You have to have one of those. It goes through our church meeting. That's that constitution thing again. Uh, but to make it easy, what we're going to do is we're going to hold an information evening uh, in a week or so, a few weeks, to, to explain all of that for anyone who feels that they, they're being led by the Lord to becoming an official member of this church. Making this really simple. If this is now your church home, if this is where you intend to put down roots, if this is where you plan to attend and to grow and to invest, if you'd like to journey with us through the next season, please come to that event. Uh, and the details for that will follow. Okay, so invitation number one. Give me a big smile, everyone. Invitation number one is to membership. It gets better and better. Better and better. That was just an hors d'oeuvre. Number two, the invitation to serving. Let's get back to the vision for a second. You know, that is not going to happen by accident. And yes, we firmly believe that our vision will be, will be divinely catalyzed. It'll be supernaturally sparked. It'll, it should be Holy Spirit defined. But perhaps the greatest miracle of all is that God will accomplish it through you and me. I'm looking around, and that's a miracle right there. And you're looking this way, so that's the greatest miracle of all. Paul paints this, this amazing picture again in 1 Corinthians 12 of, of this flourishing body that's interconnected and that's fully functioning and that's unified. It's a body that's made up of all sorts of different parts and personalities. It's made up of all sorts of different roles and responsibilities in which everyone has their place. And the point is, we'd like to invite you to explore that with us. You know, we have all sorts of, of ministries and teams and, and groups. Some of them are, are more of a practical focus. Some are, are more spiritual. Others are relational or social. They require varying degrees of preparation and, and time commitment. And they employ a, a multitude of gifts and talents. No gift too small or no gift too insignificant. I'd like to, to, to give, give a quick qualifier here. It may look, it may not, it may look as though everything is running like clockwork around here. You know the illustration they 
people often share about the swan. Floating serenely and gracefully across the lake, while underneath the surface, its little legs are paddling like absolute crazy. That's us. I'll be honest, most of our staff team are currently serving at nearly every service. We have a nucleus of key team members that that are filling holes on rotors more often than they should. I want to say right at this point, though, a huge, huge, huge thank you to those people who are already serving their hearts out. We're so grateful. But the message is, if we're going to have that, we're going to have that dream. We're going to need lots more volunteers pretty much across the board going forward. Every staff team member in the little legs underneath the surface going like It is one of the church-wide consequences of COVID. There, there is now an almost chronic shortage of volunteers in the church world as people don't return after hearing that everywhere I go. I know that is a phenomenon worldwide, not just here in Bidford. I know that some churches haven't even been able yet to muster the the, the number of volunteers they need even to reopen their churches. Now, in our place, our situation is not chronic. But but we are going to need to regrow, replenish, refill our teams if we want to have a church. Moral of the story, back back to 1 Corinthians 12, is the church is a body that functions at its best when all its constituent limbs and organs and muscles are all playing their part. There's no shortage of opportunities for people to to roll up their sleeves and participate in in the work of the kingdom here at the bar. If you're sitting there wondering whether we really need you, then the answer is yes. So please ask the Lord what your part is. He may well already be showing you that. And then come and talk to us. We can then put you in contact with with the relevant team leader. Time to go through all of those names today. We'll probably facilitate those connections in, a very, in different ways over the next few weeks. Uh, for a start, there are some, some volunteer recruitment cards and some job descriptions on the, on the little shelf right at the back of the church there. You're welcome to go and have a look and take one of those. Another thing to say is if, is if you're perhaps interested in getting involved in an area and you like, before you commit, you'd like a, a taster experience, seems like a smart move to me, then we're very happy Go and see what it's like up in the kids' room. I mean, if you can't already hear, or in the youth room, or out in the car park. Before I move on to the last one, because I know you're very excited about that one. When I covered transformation a couple of weeks ago, I made a couple of statements, but the more I ponder it, the more I realize that there was a, a, a prophetic significance, I think, to those. The first statement was this, that, that I would love to see, this is me ruminating, I would love to see the people who serve in this church transformed. Transformed because they're growing and because they're stretching and maturing. 
transformed because they're increasing in their calling and their gifting and learning all about obedience and humility. Here's the line that spins off that. Could it be, in fact, I would say it could well be that the next step of your personal growth is contingent on the experiences that you will gain in your next act of kingdom Okay, moving on to number three, which is giving. I also said in that service that I love to see people who give in this church transformed. A couple of questions. Have you considered that, that doing money God's way is the key to your financial transformation? Do you really believe that, that God's promises around money, which are plentiful and bold, that those promises are yes, and amen in Christ. Have you, like me, come to the conclusion that trusting God with your finances is the very best thing you can possibly do and that you will never be worse off for doing so? The thought that occurred to me as I was walking my dogs bright and early this morning, you know, giving is one of the areas that Jesus said God requires you to him first. Anyway, I'm going to teach on this, this whole subject, I think, in depth later in the year. But for today, I just want to extend the challenge for you to give here at the barn and explain just a little of the why. Now, as I said, if this is your first Sunday, please press pause and maybe listen to this message again in a few months. Let me say this. We are not after your money. Though God is after your heart. And Jesus explained in detail that those two are inextricably linked. We're back in Matthew 6, as it happens. Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break and steal. And here's the clincher. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So it's no coincidence that, that giving and serving and engagement and fulfillment go together. If your treasure is in it, your heart will be in it, and vice versa. If your heart is in it, then you will put your treasure in it. And of course, God wants your heart to be all in. I said there's much I could say on this, but before we wrap up, I just want to have a little look at our financial history and look at the current position here at the barn. And I, I'm going to do so by means of three graphs, which are going to appear on the screen, and hopefully you can more or less see with your binoculars and telescopes. So we have graph number one is, is pretty much the historical pattern of giving uh, through the life of the church. There's two lines there, if you can see them. Uh, the first line is the, is the income line, kind of the giving line. And the second line is, is the, the expenditure line. You know what? We've got a few treasures and ex-treasures in the room. They'll all nod and say, 
miraculously over the years, every single time, those two have balanced. I mean, it's not a straight line quite like that. It's a bit up and down. But, but I wanted to, to you know, simplify it for you, if you like. It would be fair to say that the, the treasurer tends to give me a bit of an anxious phone call around kind of October time as the year comes to an end. He says, Jamie, I'm not sure it's going to work this year. Every single time, the Lord comes through again. However, COVID has thrown a massive banner in the works. And as attendance has been lower, as people have moved on, as people's personal financial circumstances have changed, the financial forecast now looks a little bit more like this. Just a, you know, scribbling down. It's, you know, it's, it's a, not a great graph, I get that. But, but what you'll see is, is that a gap there has grown as our expenses have increased. In this case, it's been a quite a considerable rent hike and the gas prices that keeps you all nice and warm and toasty on a Sunday morning. Those have gone absolutely skyward, as you know, because of UK bills. So as, as, as the expenditure has increased and as our giving has been affected and has decreased, it, it's created this gap. I want to say this right from the beginning. This is a pretty much universal situation. Every church that I have spoken to, including the ones that you know, are in a very similar boat. And it is definitely not just the case in the UK. But all of that means that, that, that our forecast at this stage is for quite a sizable deficit going forward. Fortunately, as a church, we do have healthy reserves, and they will keep us going for a while, but they won't last forever. So that's where we stand right now, looking into 2022. But what was our vision? What was the title? The title is Beyond 2020 Vision, right? Okay, so next, at least in my head, it's clever. You, you might not think so, but let's have a look at the next graph, if, if you can. And it goes something like this. If we're to narrow that gap, then we are going to need two things. We are going to need to see our giving increase by about 20,000. And we're going to need to see our cost reduced by about 20,000 to narrow that gap. Now, of course, if, if the increase in giving exceeds that, then the cost cutting can be reduced accordingly. I don't know what you think when you look at that graph. You might think it looks a little bit scary, and I'll be honest with you, it is just a little bit scary. But I would like to remind you God Almighty is still seated upon the throne of heaven. That God has always come through for us in the past. That God is not some kind of cosmic fairy godmother. And the reality is, if that gap is going to be bridged, it's going to be you and me. That God always uses us, his people, always has, and he always will. Some, some quick, quick, quick stats, if you don't mind. In January 2022, kind of yesterday, we had 70 
giving unit in this church. Now, a giving unit is a, is a person or a family that gives to the church. Great name, don't you think? Give yourself a pat on the back and say, I am a giving unit. And you probably have a number as well on the software. You know, you're probably giving unit number 28. It's very exciting. Joking aside. So in January 2020, we had 70 giving units. In January 2020, there were 95. That represents about a 25 to 30% reduction, which corresponds to that drop in income. So comparison with those, with those 70, we've got just over 200 names on our church suite register. That's our database. We have about 130-ish members of the church right now. Another fact for you, that, for which I thank Murray, who told me all this stuff, that actually 80% of our regular giving comes from 40% of our regular giving. And here's the line. If tithing is optimal, I put if at the start, we'll talk about that another day. If tithing is optional, is optimal, Bit of a difference. If tithing is optimal, then, then the estimate, and this is only an estimate, and you might slap us on the wrist, but we're making this estimate, it means about 20 to 25% of the regular givers in this church are tithing. And I'm not sure what you would have expected, and I'm offering no additional commentary on this. I'm just saying these are the statistics as they stand, and I thought it might be helpful. Here's some good news. Anyone else ready for some good news? If each giving unit, say, yay, that's me. If each giving unit were to increase their giving by 25 pounds a month, which for some of you would be quite tricky and some of you probably not so much, then that would make up the 20,000 right there. Say that again. If, If each one of those giving units, which is what we calculated, would increase their giving by 25 pounds a month. That would make up the 20,000. You do have your calculators out. But even better, if everyone on church suite could give five pounds more per week, we'd make budget for 2022. Folks, it is possible. Actually, with God, all things are possible but it is going to take action. And the wonderful thing about church is we all get the privilege of participation. We're nearly done. If the worship team would like to make their way to the front, please, that would be fantastic. I'm going to extend you or confirm, if you like, the challenge for the morning and ask the question, do you dream of a church like that? And if you do, I'd like to challenge you boldly today with the question, are you all in? And if you are all in, the three challenges are this. Would you consider, number one, would you consider becoming a member? In which case, you need to talk to Paul Johnson, who's at the back. You can, by all means, you need to talk to me or anyone you know, really, but Paul's the man kind of with his finger on that. Would you like to become a number? Number Remember, number two, would you consider investigating how you might serve? 
which case, please see the relevant team leader. And thirdly, are you prepared to, to give regularly or maybe increase the amount that you give regularly? And if you would, then please go and see Murray, who's our treasurer. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take this into a time of response, and then Simon will come. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that Jesus was all in. That he really genuinely did give it all. He laid it all down for us. He set us such a stirring and inspiring example and said, would you follow me? Would you lay down your own agendas? Would you deny yourself? Would you take up your cross? Would you follow me into this sacrificial life of serving God Almighty? That's the challenge. Lord, I've spoken many words this morning, some coherent, some perhaps slightly less so, but my prayer, Holy Spirit, will be that you would speak the words that we really do need to hear into our ears and into our hearts, so that we might be able to hear what you are calling us to, what you're calling us to collectively, what you're calling us to individually to the challenge before us. And are we in? Are we in or not? Lord, help us all to answer that question. In Jesus' name.